Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, good morning and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad you're here worshiping God on this beautiful Sunday morning. You know, we gather um, this weekend and uh, remember uh, around our country, uh, remember and memorialize uh, those men and women who have given their lives in the service of our country to ensure our freedom all the way back through our history. And um, now tomorrow, that's what we Americans will do. Uh, some of you have people on your mind. I've got names and faces. You know, I'm, my generation, we, we think about those that didn't come back from the Vietnam War. I'm thinking of uh, schoolmates, uh, two in particular in my little small town, Mark in Denver, who did not come home. And uh, remember them. And uh, some of you are remembering people. Some of you served alongside men and women who didn't come home. And uh, some of us are praying for those who are deployed now. We want them to come home. Um, it's an intense time. And, uh, but for those of us who are Christians, uh, we also, as I posted yesterday on Facebook, we look for the day when our Lord Jesus will come and, and, and renew all things and bring uh, to being that day when, as the Scriptures say, we will study war no more. Amen. Bring it on, Lord. I did, if He wants to interrupt the sermon and, and get that done, uh, that'd be fine with me. In fact, it'd be a lot better than what you're going to have to listen to for the next 20 minutes um, here. Uh, but today, for Christians, uh, you know, a Christian worship service, we, it's appropriate that tomorrow we remember and celebrate and pray and thank God for those men and women uh, today, we remember another one who gave His life that we might be free. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every, every Sunday, every Lord's Day is Memorial Day to the Christian. We remember, we look back and remember our Lord who loved us so much that He couldn't bear the thought of you having to atone for your own sin. Even while we were still shaking our fist at God in open revolt, against His rule over our lives, He still couldn't bear the thought of moral and spiritual foul-ups just like me having to atone for their own sin. So He just did it for us. He did it for us. He gave His life in our place for our sins, for our freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from the power of sin over our lives now. Uh, purpose for living because to, for a Christian to live is Christ and to die is gain. We remember Him today. We remember Him today. And you know, our church exists to help as many people know and experience that as possible. We say it this way, we exist to love God and love people while making more and better followers of Christ here and around the world. In other words, we want to make more followers of Christ and better followers of Christ uh, who love God and love people here and around the world. Make this world a better place and make heaven a bigger place. We exist to enrich the lives of people and increase the size of heaven. And uh, that's, what we're, uh, that's what we're about. Now, because that's so, this year in our church, we are, we're kind of drilling down and putting some extra resources, time, people, money, prayers, planning, teaching, um, on, the, uh, on the value and practice of, of personal witness. 
of your ability and my ability to influence people that we know and we love and we care about who are outside of the blessing of living under the care and supervision of Jesus right now to, to influence them to put their faith in Christ. And so if you'll remember in January, I had you take out a, uh, a card like this, take a couple of cards, index cards, and had you spend some time thinking about uh, people in your circles of relationships, your immediate family, your extended family, your, uh, your close friends, your n- neighbors on your street, your work associates, students, your classmates, your teammates, um, your acquaintances in the community who do not yet know Christ. And, uh, and had you write down their names, at least as many of them as you could, who live in this immediate area. And I've asked you to pray for them, to pray that they would come to faith in this year. Now, just a reminder, collectively, uh, you, you kept a copy and you turned in a copy, and we discovered that our church families committed and identified, written down the names of uh, in excess of 3,700 individuals in our, in our community that we are praying will come to faith in Christ uh, this year. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time helping us get better at that, becoming more effective today. You know, we've been, this year, we've been uh, walking through the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the person of Jesus from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament, uh, to see uh, uh, who He is and what He taught and what He does uh, so that we'd know Him better and grow in Him. And so as I thought about how we could be more effective in this influencing people to come to faith, I, I, I came to a passage of Scripture in the life of Jesus that I want us to camp out on. Uh, today. It's found in the Gospel of John, fourth book in the New Testament. If you've got your hard copy of your Bible or a digital copy uh, on your phone or iPad, uh, turn, it's about way back over there, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, chapter 17. Now what we're going to find here is this. I've discovered in my life, I've discovered in the life of every other believer that I know who becomes effective at this business, that our effectiveness in leading outsiders to become insiders in the kingdom of God, to become to lead in unbelievers to become believers in the kingdom of God, is directly uh, in proportion to the increase of our passion and willingness to pray with effectiveness for these people. That we include prayer in our influence. We pray with urgency, specifically. Uh, Because Jesus taught us to always pray and never give up. Now, some of you have been praying for uh, people in your life to come to faith in Christ for two days, some of you for two weeks, some of you for two months, some of you for two years, some of you for two decades, and some of you, you may be just about to give up. Don't! Because Jesus said, always pray and never give up because you can become very effective in influencing people to come to faith in Christ if you'll pray for them the right way and never give up. And never give up. And so here, Jesus uh, teaches us how we can do this. This is, uh, let me get, while you're turning there, let me give you the setting, uh, the historical setting. You know, to understand the Scriptures, if you're going to understand them rightly, one of the things you and I must understand is, is to the best of our ability, understand the, the, the historical setting of the, of, of the passage. Who was writing it? Who, who was speaking? Who was hearing? Who was participating? What, where they were? What was going on? And so here's a little bit of the setting. This is the, uh, 
the night of the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus, just before His trial and crucifixion. Uh, Jesus had spent the evening with the people closest to Him in all the world, His twelve disciples. He spent the evening with them in the upper room in Jerusalem observing the Passover. He had uh, These were friends and followers who had spent the, the, the previous three years in close relationship with Jesus, literally, physically following Him, learning from Him, witnessing who He was and what He did. Uh, they were His 12 top disciples that He had selected. Well, He's with them observing the Passover. And there He redefined the Passover for Christians. You know, we Christians do not observe the Passover. We observe the Lord's Supper and we do it on the Lord's Day. Uh, most typically. But Jesus redefined the Passover that night. Remember, He took the bread and said, this, body, this bread now represents my body, which will be broken for you. He redefined the cup uh, and said, this cup now no longer represents uh, the blood of a physical lamb that was spread over the doorposts of, a, of a, an Israeli home back in Egypt thousands of years ago. It will now represent my blood that will be shed for you in your place because of your sin, for your, your sin. Do this every time you take it in remembrance of me. He redefined the whole observance. It's what we call the Lord's Supper. He had, um, he had then stunned them by announcing that one of them was going to betray him and then he had quietly instructed Judas Iscariot to go and do what he was bound and determined to do. He, he had washed his disciples' feet. Uh, the, the scholars call all of his instructions and words to his disciples on that evening the farewell discourse. Now this is a good way of saying famous last words. I mean it was his, his final instruction on earth uh, for his followers prior to his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. And he, he focused on three things. The importance of being a servant in serving God and serving people, the necessity of, of His own return to the Father, and the provision of God the Holy Spirit who would come and follow Him. He focused on those three things. Now, there, there were many spiritual insights yet to be understood by His disciples here. And so after he'd said all these things, he realized, I, I just need to pray for them. And so he prayed within their hearing. Now look at John 17, beginning in verse 1. It says, after this, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Now quickly, let me outline this. First of all, in the first eight verses, he prayed for himself. Second, in verses 9 through 19, Jesus prayed for His present followers, all of those who presently believed in Him, believed on Him, and were following Him. Skip down to verse 20, the last part of verse 20, through verse 26. Here we see Jesus praying for all outsiders, for all people, the people who would become His followers in the future, praying for them, praying that they would believe in Him, praying for, for blessing uh, on them. This is where you and I learn a little bit about how we can and should pray for the people in our life that we want to see come to faith in Christ. And so here's what he prayed. This is God's Word beginning in the second part of verse 20. 
Jesus prayed, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, first of all, he prayed that they would have unity. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Pray that not just unity for unity's sake, but unity so that uh, we might maximize as disciples of Christ, our influence on the rest of the world to come to faith in Christ. Now next he prays that we will be with him one day in heaven and see him as he really is in all of his fullness. Listen to this, verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Now, now Jesus closes this prayer praying that all future followers all future believers would be filled with the love of Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus. He prayed that we would enter into a supernatural relationship with God the Father through faith in Him like nothing we'd ever experienced before. He prayed that we would be anchored in the truth of God's Word. He prayed that we would have a radical unity, a radical oneness, uh, fellowship together in Christ in order that we might have a mission Uh, of influence in the world, the very mission that we express in in our mission to make more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people and to be darn good at it and to be good at it. So, John the Apostle, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, writes here to tell us that Jesus prayed heartfelt prayers for all who would come to believe in Him in the future. Heartfelt, urgent, passionate intercession. This is arguably the most influential prayer ever prayed. I mean, He prayed for you. He prayed for me. He had us in mind. He prayed for us. He prayed that... that, And and so you and I, who are followers of Christ, most of us are in this room. Some of you are checking out the claims of Christ. He prayed, uh, and, and we are here as His followers in part because He prayed for us to be... 2,000 years ago. Powerful, powerful prayer. Now, he models for us something of what we should do. You can become effective at influencing people to faith in Christ if you'll pray for them the right way and never give up. Now, I want to show you a little bit about what the right way is. You might say, okay, Pastor, how do I go about that? Over the years, two different times over these past 30 years, I've kind of hit the, hit the brakes and, and we've taken a Sunday morning for me to teach you how to pray this way. I, best I can tell, I've not done this in somewhere from eight to, to ten years. And so I, I'm just curious, how many of you are here today and you you were not here eight years ago? Raise your hand really quick all over the place. 
Okay, yep, probably need to teach you. Here we go, lots of us, lots of us here. So how do we pray effectively? Now, you know what? We encourage you to pray because we, we say things like this. We believe God hears us when we pray and that he, he has chosen to do some things when we pray that He does not do if we do not pray. I mean, He said one time, you have not because you ask not. Have not because you ask not. Well, there's another principle from Scripture that helps us pray with confidence uh, jot down this reference. It is the little book of 1 John. In the little book of 1 John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Not the Gospel of John. Way back over in the New Testament, the little bitty letter of 1 John. Only five chapters. Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Here's what God's Word says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. In other words, how do we approach God prayerfully with confidence? How do we do that? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. One of the ways that, that we can pray with confidence is by praying according to God's will and ways. When we pray in alignment with what God desires, He always he answers he answers. He hears us. He hears us. So, well, I don't always know. You know, when you get down to specific decisions that you're making for your own life circumstances, sometimes it's hard to know. Um, and you won't find a verse that says, don't take that job. You know, you, or don't, you might find one that says, don't date that guy. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, you won't find that. Um, but you, and so then we just ask for God's guidance to help. But I'm not sure what your will is, but I want to do your will. Guide me. But there's much that God says in His Word very clearly that He desires to have happen. And when we pray the Scriptures back to Him, we can pray with great confidence. You will become more effective in praying for the people in your life to come to faith if you will pray for them the right way according to the Scriptures and never give up. So I want you to take your little dogwood note sheet that's an attachment to your bulletin. I've actually written out this prayer based on several Scripture passages. I did not have time to actually include or space to include the Scripture references. But this entire prayer is based on passages from God's Word so that you can know you can pray with confidence. Here's what I want you to do. This is not your normal sermon. Uh, You can't go on autopilot. Some of you can't pretend like your list praying for me you know, while I preach and you got to wake up and I, yeah, I want, you're going to have to work a little bit today. So I want you to grab a pen. I want you to grab your note sheet there. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'm going to walk you through this prayer and then I'm going to give you the scripture references upon which these, this prayer is based. And I just want you to write out the reference somewhere in the margin along each line or each statement in the prayers. That makes sense? I want you to be able to go have, pray with confidence knowing that this is legit, also so that you can go back and internalize these passages on your own. Got it? Got it? Good. Okay, here we go. You can start by praying something like this, by addressing God the Father and thanking Him for the gift of salvation that is received through faith in His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's the reference. Jot it down. Hebrews. 
chapter 7, verse 25, tells us that the Lord Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. So let's thank Him for that. Also thank Him that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, tells us that the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some of you here who are not yet Christians and you're checking things out, you, some of you have been stiff-arming God for a long time. And uh, listen, you're, you're, you're all, he, God's patient with you. He's wanting you to come to faith. He does not want you to perish. And so we thank God uh, for that. We thank Him that He wants all people to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 tells us that our Lord wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so pray with confidence. Now, then we come to Him calling out the names of the people on your card. I've got mine right here. I prayed uh, as I prepared this week. I prayed this prayer for them. You remember the people on your card? You got your card with you? It's in your Bible, in your purse, in your somewhere. I have a guy tell me it's, it's clipped to my sun visor on my car. One's got this on my computer screen. I mean, keep your list. Here's what you pray. You call their names out and you say, Lord, I come to you now on behalf of and call their name to God who needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as the forgiver and leader of their life. Now we do this because we're Commanded to do so. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Scriptures say, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. So, let's do it. Then, then pray something like this, that they will come to their senses and be set free from every scheme and trap that the devil has used to hold them Captive. You see, Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-six says this very thing: that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. A couple of things I want you to think about here. First of all, people who oppose Jesus and His will and His ways, and people who oppose Christians, are not the enemy. And they should not be treated as the enemy. They are captives. They are captives. They have been captured by the world thought and value system so that they think wrongly. They believe the wrong philosophy, the wrong worldview. They believe, they, they believe things anti-God, anti-Jesus. Therefore, they are saying and thinking and choosing and doing things that are in opposition to God and His will and His ways. But they are captives to be prayed for and evangelized, not enemies to be demonized. And I see Christians all over social media demonizing people who are not Christians, particularly our leaders. Leaders in the business world, leaders in, in government. I mean, our, you know, our president gets, gets you know, he, he's the enemy. He's not the enemy. He is a captive to be prayed for to come to a biblical worldview. I mean, it's just one, but hey, I see it all the time. Listen, we, we make a mistake when we 
misunderstand the enemy. We need to pray that they, I like this, that they will come to their senses. Now, it's really funny to me because uh, in, our, in the world, what's normal is, the, is the, the world thought and value system and the devil in his ways. That's what's normal. That's what seems normal. What seems weird is what we believe. I'm, I'm going to adopt uh, uh, an author that I read has a statement. I think we should get bumper stickers and put it on the car. It says, keep Christianity strange. Because it's strange. What, what we believe strange, isn't it, Pastor? It's, it's, it's strange to the world. But what we're praying is, but that is actually what is sensible. It is what is true. We're praying that they would come to their senses and begin to think rightly and believe rightly about Jesus and His will and His ways and come to faith and be transformed by the renewing of their mind. People are not your enemy. People are captives to be prayed for and set free and evangelized. Got it? Yeah, it's not even not so confident about that. I can tell. But anyway, that's true. It's true whether you believe it or not. I'm right on this one. I'm not always right, but I'm right on this one. And God help us because that's hard to do, isn't it? It's easier to lump people who oppose us in a group over here and put a name on them and stand over here and hold signs and yell at them. Well, how's that working for the kingdom? Not. So, also pray this then. Lord, keep the evil one from interfering with their hearing and comprehending the gospel truths. Our, our enemy, the Bible says, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world thought and value system. Society that is anti... The thought and value system that is anti-God. Uh, our flesh, our own sinful tendencies, and the devil. It's an, oh, you know, do we really have to believe in, a, in the devil? Yeah, you, you do if you're going to survive it. He, you know, he's darn good. One of the things he's darn good at is convincing people he doesn't exist. But pray that the evil one would keep from interfering. Listen, Isaiah fifty-three, uh, excuse me, thirty-five, verse five says, "Then uh, will he will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped?" Isaiah forty-three. Verse 8 says, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. We want to pray this, let every stronghold of warped philosophies, proud obstacles, rebellious ideas and pretentious arguments that keep these people from knowing Christ be pulled down and brought into captivity to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, answer any genuine questions or hang-ups or objections that they have about faith in you. This is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says almost exactly these words. Also pray this, Lord, do whatever is necessary to prepare them, to prepare their hearts to hear and understand and accept the message of Christ when it is presented. You see, God the Holy Spirit is... Uh, Pastor Jack Smith's back here, and he taught me 30 years, 35 years ago from the Word that God the Holy Spirit is always active in the life of people who are far from Him, seeking to draw them to Himself. And so we can pray that He would do whatever is necessary to soften them up, to make them, to prepare them to, uh, to increase their receptivity to Christ and His kingdom and His 
His gospel. Pray this, Lord, may they find no satisfaction in anything apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that they would find as King Solomon found, uh, as he recorded in his spiritual journal, the book of Ecclesiastes, when he did this multi-year experiment to see if you could if life would have any meaning if you lived without God in the picture. He called it life under the sun. Here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 2.17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Under the sun meant leaving all down here, naturalistic view of life, leaving God out of the picture. It's grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Lord, may they find, may it all seem like chasing after the wind. May they find no satisfaction except in you. And then pray that the Holy Spirit would draw them to faith in Christ. Jesus said in John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. And then pray something like this, that God would convict them and convince them of the reality of their sin. Now, much of our culture today doesn't believe in sin. And so pray that God would convict them and convince them of the reality, of their need for the righteousness that comes only through faith in Jesus, of the certainty of God's judgment on our sin. Not only is there sin, but I am guilty of it. Not only am I guilty, I'm responsible to God for it, that He'd bring conviction. You see, in John 16, 8, the Lord Jesus said that when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness in judgment. That's His job. Pray that He will. Pray that God would show them what their sin looks like to, them, to God. Give them the desire to change and be saved. We live in a culture that minimizes sin, that, that jokes about sin, that makes movies and has comedy routines where people pay to laugh at sin. We minimize it. We minimize our own sin, the sin of others. We try, it doesn't exist. We want to call it a mistake. But pray that we would see our sin, that they would see their sin as God sees it. Now, and, and give us the desire to change. And let me tell you what he, just a little bit about what it looks like to him. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, Isaiah 64, 6, jot this down. Here's what he says. All of us have become like one who is unclean. Now that's just a little subtle there, what our sin looks like to God and what it is. Then it gets worse. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now that is a very King James English nice way of describing what the Hebrew says is like used toilet paper. Now I'm not being silly, I'm not being crass, I'm not being gross, but that's, that's, that's the impact of that phrase. Our very best, our righteousness looks like that to a holy God, our sin. Pray that we would see it. Then pray, Lord, I ask you, look at it, the Lord of the harvest to send someone to clearly communicate to them the claims of Christ, to clearly communicate to them the gospel. Now, as we pray that, Lord, send someone to tell them about Jesus very clearly. I wonder who he might send first. Yep, us. Send someone, Lord. You look good, go. Let's, why not you? 
Here, my Lord, send me. Now, he will also send others. He will also send himself. Well, I'm, I don't know what to say. Well, we're going to help you with this. Come When we come back to, after the start of school, all of our existing adult groups are going to go through a five-week study of, of, a, of a simple way to share your faith. We're going to help you with that in this journey. But pray that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Pray, send them, Lord. And then pray, Lord, let me and these other witnesses make, make this person, I like this Bible phrase, wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are set apart by faith in Christ Jesus. I mean, we find these very words in, jot down these references in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and in the book of Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Pray this, Lord, I pray that they will understand clearly who Jesus is, and recognize their need for Christ. For Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I've got to say to those of you who bow to the the pressure, let me speak to you students, college and high school students. When you get the criticism I'm saying there, there's, there's got to be more than one way to God. You Christians are so narrow and you're so haughty and you're so proud to say that only Christians get to know God and go to heaven. Well, you didn't make that up. And you have no other option. For that's what this Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and then here in the book of Acts, the uh, Doctor Luke, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, people say, "Well, you think you're better than me?" No, we think we're worse than them. Again, remember, Christians are there. <laughs> That's funny. I used to get all worried about it. Now, I just laugh at it. Say, "No, no, no. We Christians there are the are, are members of." We're the only ones who are members of an organization that the only way you can get into it is by confessing that you don't deserve to be in it. That you're too sorry and no count to be accepted. It's Jesus, but He is available to all. There's no other name given because no other name is needed. No other name is needed. That is why we go. That is why we urge you. That is why we say pray for people Tell people, that's why we send, uh, this month we'll send a mission team to Guyana. That's why this month we'll send a, another one of our teams back to Russia to take the, to the Altai people group where we're trying to take the gospel there. That's why we have a few people in Guatemala as we speak right now. That's why we uh, send Barry and Robin Odom down to the fourth ward downtown to plant another church at Pont City Market. That's why we sent Patrice and Bianca Olganu to New York City uh, to, to plant a church among the French-speaking people of that uh, of that great city uh, that's why we sent uh, Kim uh, Arthur Kim Delaney Arthur and her husband Andrew to Seattle that's why we support them that's why I mean that's, that's why we go that's why we have uh, over 5,000 Southern Baptist missionaries that we help pay their entire salary in, in almost every country of the world uh, because there's no other name there's no other name 
among, uh, given uh, under heaven whereby people must be saved. People without Jesus are not okay. They're not okay. And then pray, Lord, work in their life so that they will call upon you in order to be saved. Because in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Scriptures say, Everyone, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And then thank the Lord. Lord, thank you that you're working and active in their life. Calling them into your love and salvation. Hey, look at me. You can radically increase your ability your effectiveness at influencing people that you know and you love and you like to faith in Christ if you'll pray for them the right way and never give up. So we're going to practice that now. I want you to take your list. You probably, you may, if you've got it with you, or, or just call it up in your mind. And I want you to take the prayer that I've given you in your bulletin there on your dogwood note sheet. And we're going to give you a few minutes of unhurried, unrushed prayer and I want you to pull out that card and just begin. Pray by name. Pray this prayer by name for the people on your list. We're going to have a little music play. I believe. Where's Andrew? There he is coming on. But he give us some good praying music. How's that? Okay. You're good at it. I'm going to give you a few unhurried moments. We've got plenty of time. So turn the place where you're seated into your own personal, pray, private place of prayer. And from your heart, call out the names of these people. And then pray through this prayer. And now use this. Use this consistently as you pray for them. I'm going to open our prayer time. Lord, thank you that you have in your wisdom... In sovereignty, you have called all of us who are already believers to be not only believers, but to be your ambassadors, beseeching people to be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. And so, Lord, we want to be good ambassadors. Thank you for teaching us from your word how you would have us pray for the outsiders in our lives. And so we do that now. Lead us as we pray. How you pray. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcasts, video, and more.